0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of heads talk with me elaine pringle schwitter the podcast where we talk to c-level executives leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals What are the current topics they talk we listen my guest today really needs no introduction She has worn many hats and continues to wear a few of them to include the hat of a leading international human rights lawyer a self-proclaimed feminist an activist a socialist the chair of her own charitable foundation an author a qc and was even appointed a recorder in the County and Crown Court. She's the wife of the former British Prime Minister, Tony Blair, and has described herself as having a front row seat of British politics for 10 years. So you can imagine how pleased we are today at Headstalk for the conversation ahead. But before we get into that, here's a message from our sponsors. <laughs>
1: Hello, my name is Victoria McLagan, and I'm a lawyer for British expats living in Switzerland and the founder of EWPS English Wills and Probate Switzerland. I'm delighted to sponsor this episode of Heads Talk and I hope you enjoyed as much as I have. If you'd like some help with wills or powers of attorney, please feel free to get in touch with me at victoria at ewps.ch or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Victoria McClagan TEP. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter.
0: I am Giselle Rufier, the creator of Delance, a unique watch for women, a symbol of recognition for women who want to make the world a better place for all. Delance.com
1: Let's talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter.
0: Sherry Blair, also professionally known as Sherry Booth QC, has been practicing law for over 40 years. She is readily known as the first lady of British politics during Tony Blair's tenure. Despite not taking the route of politics, Sherry is quite active in this space as is often crossover in her professional life. She describes herself as very passionate about her work and charitable foundation, which we'll go into great detail in this episode of Ed's talk. In fact, in 2013, she was awarded the CBE in the New Year's Honours for her services to women's issues and to charity in the UK and overseas. We'll hear a lot about what drives Sherry to do the things she does within her foundation, as well as some of the outcomes of her endeavours. Individuals with whom she has worked with have also described her as sharp, down-to-earth, a fierce opponent, and someone that just gets things done. Sherry is the co-author of the book, The Goldfish Bowl, and the author of the Sunday Times bestseller, Speaking for Myself, the Autobiography. So without further ado, Sherry Blair cbe welcome to Talk. Absolutely delighted and honoured to have you here today.
1: Well, Elaine, I'm delighted to, to speak with you too and to your many, many listeners.
0: Thank you very much. Okay, I'm going to go straight into it. Um, let's begin. Um, I believe my listeners would not forgive me if I didn't ask about your COVID-19 experience thus far. So if you could just walk us through the sequence of events from the outbreak in Europe to your experiences during lockdown, where were you at the time? And interestingly, what was going on in your mind as the whole pandemic unfolded?
1: Well, I can, all, I can hardly believe that it's almost a year ago now, but it was almost a year ago now when we were first hearing, weren't we? Mm-hmm. That something was going on in, in, in Europe and something mysterious in China. And I hadn't really realized the import of it until um, it started impact on the work and my travel plan. So I was planning in February last year to go to the GSMA Mobile World Congress, which is the global um, mobile phone event, if you like, the whole industry, go to Barcelona. I've been going for many, many years because of the work my foundation does with technology. We do a lot of work Um mm-hmm which involves using mobile phones and mobile technology. So I was going to speak at, a, at, at that event and talk about the work we were doing with women. And suddenly we were getting messages saying, well, um, actually, you know, this company's withdrawing, but we're still going ahead. And then it was, "Or oh, someone else is withdrawing, mm. uh, but we're still going ahead. And of course, obviously, you know, mobile phones, so many of them are actually made in China. And uh, the reality was it was canceled. Um, which I thought that was quite shocking because I know know, Mm -hmm. thousands, tens of thousands of people go to Barcelona. I know it's a big money earner for the city. So I thought the Mm -hmm. fact that they cancelled GSMA means this is quite serious. I did actually manage to go on one other trip at the beginning of March to to India, Mm -hmm. where I went uh, to speak again about women's economic empowerment at a conference. Um, I came home and realised... That things were serious, and so in fact uh, I came down we have a, a weekend home in Buckinghamshire and I decided it was probably better to be there than in in the heart of london mm. and so we moved down there with my son my second son his wife who was pregnant at the time and their two children um and my uh younger son who wasn't very happy at having to mm. uh, leave his student accommodation in Oxford to come and live with his parents but it is what it is and so -hmm. so that's how we sort saw out the first lockdown. all right
0: okay and we are in the second one now so we are and in the course of
1: that in the course of that actually i should add that i managed to become a grandmother twice (laughs) because my daughter-in-law did give birth in august and before that my daughter gave birth to her first son in um in july and much to my sadness I wasn't able to be with her or attend any of the appointments with her because, um, as many women found, of course, giving birth in the pandemic, um, was quite a tough experience.
0: Well, oh yes, well, congratulations on your new grandchildren, nevertheless. But as we both mentioned, the UK is in lockdown again, and apparently over here in Switzerland we will be also in lockdown in the new week, next week. Um, Lockdown has now become a norm in societies across the globe, but has something been permanently changed or damaged? This question is a three-part question and I would like your insights into this. Um, What do you think are the ramifications of lockdown on A, a social level? You know, will we enter a new era of socialising? Will we be different social animals on the other side of this? And B, an economic level? Fall in GDP, lost jobs, struggling businesses, revenue streams lost overnight. The particular impact on the cultural and tourism sector of any country, and see the political and legal level. For instance, the curbing of civil rights of individuals to protest. This could be misused by governments. So there's a lot there.
1: What are your thoughts on this, Sherry? Well, I mean, you're right mentioning Switzerland because of course the other thing I would normally be doing and I did do last year. Was go to Davos. Yes, of course. Well, last year we launched our hundred thousand women campaign, which I'll talk about later. Yes. Um, so, um, but on a social level, yes, we are all able. I mean, it, it's a strange thing. I've been able to continue working, mm-hmm. uh, keeping in touch with my family members that I can't see mm-hmm. using technology. Yes. Um, and it it's. In one, many ways, um, things can go on as normal, and yet it's not quite the same, is it,
0: yes. as
1: meeting face to face? Um, but you know, I think the, the 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 bigger impact, of course, is not on fortunate people like you and I, mm-hmm. uh, who have access to good internet, um, who are able to carry on working. Um, there's a there's a wider social impact, I think which has a particular bad effect on women. Mm-hmm. One is firstly that um, we've seen, and I'm sure you have in Switzerland too, mm-hmm. that women are bearing the burden of the caring roles during
0: um,
1: yes. Yes. the pandemic. Indeed. Um, and this has resulted in many women actually finding that the stress of working and you know homeschooling uh, mm-hmm. making sure elderly parents are alright you know has led to some women actually leaving the workforce
0: mm-hmm.
1: yes it's also let, led to a to a cut in uh, part-time jobs which also impacts on women and and uh, so i think that you know that's a that's a big impact on women i think the the other Impact social impact is I slightly worried about young people today, and <laughs> we. I'm funny enough. We were just talking uh, today about how after a bit on the internet, you know, I, I kind of get sort of brain dead. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Don't but know. when you look at young 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 younger people today, seem to be perfectly happy to spend hours and hours and hours, and you. Uh, I know we should be grateful that we've got the internet, but I think we also have to be careful that we're not creating a generation of young people who live in a in a parallel universe and mm-hmm. actually don't meet people face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's there are great social benefits. Of course there are, um, in the fact that you can still communicate with people even if you're not in the same room with them. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, there are also dangers I think in the kind of relationships that can develop yes. over the internet. So we do have to be careful on an economic level. Of course, I've touched a little bit on on that already when I've talked about the disproportionate impact on women mm-hmm. in the sense of um, the caring responsibilities that they they have. <laughs> um, Found. I mean, I know myself. It's. Um, I would say my husband has helped a bit with housework, and I know uh, he's been teased a bit about that as well. And mm-hmm. I, when I said that uh, he feels his greatest achievement has been making an omelette, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, you know, uh, the, the reality is, the more mundane things, the day-to-day things, uh, they still fall on on the females in the house. It, uh, do. it uh, does to do. do. Um, and I think in relation to the economy more generally, this is a dangerous position we're in. Because, you know, already in the world, um, last year, the World Economic Forum, before I went last year to Davos, you know they always have this global gender gap report. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they men- measure in that is women's economic engagement. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year, that's before the pandemic, they sounded a warning that actually this was deteriorating so that the parity between men and women in economic engagement um, had actually worsened between 2019 and 2020. So they were saying it would take 257 years as opposed to 212 the year before for men and women to reach equal opportunity in that basis. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure um, that uh, the next report will show the impact of COVID would have made those figures
0: oh dear. Yes, of worse
1: again. So on uh, an economic level, I do think women have had a quite a disproportionate burden in relation to that, mm. simply because of the part-time workers lo- losing jobs. Many of the jobs that women... Do have been, you know. Yes. have to think about retail, for example. It's been devastated. Hospitality's been devastated uh, by COVID, and um, you know it's going to take a long time for our economy to to recover. Interestingly, I think that's led to many women realizing that if they're going to um, help, do something to earn money. Mm-hmm. And maybe they need to do it themselves. And so we're seeing a lot more interest, which is, is, is great, because this is something I feel very passionate about, yep. in women starting their own businesses. And the uh, services that my foundation provide to women in low and middle income countries uh, for that, um, you know, we've seen a huge uptake in, in demand for what we uh, do. But I do also hope that the message from the economy, one other message comes over about the economic impact, and that is the value of the care economy. You know, for so long, caring, whether it's of elderly people or children, uh, or the disabled, the critical, just the the workers who clean our offices, there's so many of them Mm -hmm. are female. And they're in, you know, the, their jobs are, are not well paid, and we often, they're, they, they often go unnoticed. And I do hope that this pandemic has illustrated to everybody how, you know, mm-hmm. important those roles are in our society and how we actually can't function <laughs> without that them. And that, and going yeah. forward in the future, that we do value those who work in the care sector more, that we do. Ensure that they have dignity and respect, and decent pay at work, mm-hmm. and um, you know that that yes. they do feel valued.
0: I, I do think the um, the appreciation of the NHS frontline workers, um, while it stands at the moment, I hope it's not a temporary thing, and it will continue to be so as well.
1: Okay. I, I I so agree, and we we will we will need to see how How that balances out, and it goes I suppose to the political and legal level, because at the moment we've got this huge debate, haven't we, about you know are we balancing the economy against the health of the nation public yes. health with uh human so, public health human rights with yes. uh, economic uh imperatives, and I think hopefully again we've realized that you know it's not a zero sum game so that you can have all of one you know it is actually two go hand in hand, yes. and um, uh, I hope that we learn uh, that lesson. Of course, at the moment, we've seen that governments, with the consent of people, have been taking even more control over people's lives, and uh, that is, of course, always acceptable when it's to do to save lives, um, but we also have to make sure, as always, that anything that involves human rights, that any restriction on people's rights are actually proportionate and necessary. Mm -hmm. And also that they don't last any longer than they need to. Um, And, uh, you know, there are obviously concerns about that. There are also concerns about scrutiny about public spending and, you know, whether government contracts at the moment are being given out, uh, perhaps outside the normal structures for tender and making sure that the public are getting value for money Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll need to make sure that though one has to act quickly in an emergency that Mm -hmm. it is actually done uh, properly. And then of course there are these bigger issues about confidential private health information. How do we protect the vulnerable? I mean, are are we seeing a move uh, towards a better minimum wage or a better safety net for those out of work in the UK at the moment we have a huge uh, well we've had a huge outcry really about children from poor families who get free school meals
0: yes yes Um, whether it's about around that wasn't
1: there yes absolutely a big campaign to make sure that they continue to get it during the school (laughs) holidays and then literally just this week uh, feed parcels are being sent out instead of the free school meals and there was outrage it was raised in parliament that one company was sending out such poor parcels with um minimum kinds of um yeah. Yeah. food yeah. It's, you know not particularly healthy yeah. and so little that we're supposed to feed a child for five uh, a substantial Lunches, uh, and you know the public, I think, were taken aback at how little money is spent and, on, on that.
0: And I do believe this conversation um, will continue, and we probably could take talk the whole episode about this. But I really do want to move into your sort of charitable foundation. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, um, the Sherry Blair. Um, Foundation for Women, which you started in 2008. Um, I will put a link um, in the episode description for my listeners who would like to find out more about the oh,
1: organization. Okay. Um, if, if I may, are you okay with that? Oh, yes, absolutely. We're, we're always interested in reaching out to, to more men and women. May, may, may I say straight away, by the way, that this foundation supports women, but we uh, absolutely uh, have many, many uh, supporters for yes. our work, yes. who, are, who are male as well. And, and uh, uh, as I talk about some of the programmes in particular, our mentoring programme, I've always been very keen to have men as well as women mentors work with women entrepreneurs that we engage with. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so let's see if we can get some Swiss men and women to support
1: your foundation. We do. You know, we have some already. And in fact, the chair of the trustees of my foundation is himself living in Switzerland.
0: <laughs> oh, right.
1: Okay. A great place to live. <laughs>
0: okay. Right. Can you please tell, tell us how this came about? And well, why is this your passion project? What were you observing that led you to start this?
1: Well, partly I think it's about my own life because uh, as a self-employed barrister, now I actually have set up my own law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a bit of an entrepreneur myself. Mm. Um, as a child who was brought up by a single parent, I And my mother, who had no qualifications having to sort of pull herself up by the bootstraps. her bootstraps, mm-hmm. I realized very early on how for a woman to be able to control her own money gave her choices in her life so mm-hmm. that was something i i I'd observed from the age of eight years of age, but of course you know I was lucky I had so many opportunities, and I ended up living in ten downing street yes and for those ten years um Two things happened. One was, well, everyone was quite surprised that that I was still working, uh, (laughs) because that hadn't been the norm until then. Even though, in fact, as I kept pointing out to people, most women of my generation were both active in the workplace as well as being mothers with with children at home, but it hadn't hit 10 Downing Street when when I first went there. But um, one of the things that enabled me to carry on with working was of course technology. And I, you know, I was able to carry on doing my work, advising my clients, and then maybe suddenly at four o'clock going and having tea with a visiting first lady as part of my sort of spousal role, married to the Prime Minister.
0: Um,
1: and I realized that if a fortunate woman like me could use technology to enable her to carry on uh, and grow and her business, that this could be something that would also be open to women in low and middle income countries, mm-hmm. who i had met uh, on my travels around whether with or without my husband, and had realized that many of them were in a situation, not like um, my own daughter who qualified as a lawyer in the beginning of the 21st century, mm-hmm. but more like it was for me, when I qualified, as you say, over 40 years ago, when women in the law was still a relative novelty. Mm-hmm. And some of them were living in situations more like my mother, who you know, left school at 14 and the idea of, of, of women um, going out to work uh, you know, was just not acceptable yes. <laughs> uh, in, in British society at the time, or at least certainly not usual. And so I thought that you know, we'd learnt so much, if you like, in, your, in Europe, in the Western mm-hmm. world, if you like, as we had gone on a journey since the Second World War where women had come into the workplace and we'd learn what works and what doesn't work in order to help women fully participate in the economy. And I thought we could put those lessons to use by working with women in lower middle-income countries uh, so that they could accelerate their progress and wouldn't have to wait 40 years mm-hmm. to be able to participate equally. Okay. And there are so many barriers across the world before women can thrive as entrepreneurs and support themselves and their communities. And yet there are so many benefits if they can. And so many of the women who find it hard to break in, as I said, even over over COVID. um, You know, one of the ways of doing that is to do it yourself. Start your own business. If you're having difficulties going in and breaking into a market, no one will employ you. Well, maybe it's time to think about, well, can I do it myself? Can I set up my own work? Can I do things differently? So this is what the foundation is all about. It's about providing training, networks, mentoring, and support to women entrepreneurs in low and middle income countries to enable them to define their future. To enable them to make the decisions that work for them, their families, and their communities, and by doing that, of course, contribute to the growth in their economies. And by the way, at the same time, by providing fantastic role models, change the world.
0: Yes, and independence. And um, listeners, please, um, I will put a link. In the episode description, so you can go there and get more details about it. Um, you also have a campaign, or I, uh, I can describe it as a movement the 100,000 Women Campaign. Many of my listeners will recognize the campaign from the video created that included some well known influential women, for example, Karen Brady, CBE, um, Sheryl Sandberg, um, Olivia Coleman, one of my favorites, uh, yeah. and, and of course, the US presidential candidate and First Lady Hillary Clinton. What is the 100,000 Women Campaign? How did that come about? And how and
1: where can we find out more about this initiative? Well, we um, since we started in 2008, uh, we have reached over 175,000 women in over 100 countries using technology to take our services to scale and reach women in places which it's been hard to reach mm. in the past. And uh, what we wanted to do and what we launched in Switzerland, in Davos last year, was a campaign over the next three years, so we're now in year two, mm-hmm. to raise £10 million to reach 100,000 extra women um, with our services, whether it's our mobile learning app, Her venture, which is, I call it a mini MBA. It's a bite mm-hmm. sized five- to seven-minute hints and tips and training for Small businesses, you know, the kind of businesses yes. that are hairdressers or uh, small shops um, where in between customers or whilst waiting to pick up her children from school, a woman can do little modules of the course yes. and at the same time um, reach out to other women doing the course. And because it's virtual and because it's on the mobile phone, it means we can reach so many uh, more women or whether it's because of our mentoring program which we've just relaunched actually in a new exciting more more, more flexible way where we pair men and women mentors around the mm-hmm. world over the internet uh, to act for a year and we're just piloting maybe doing it for six months mm-hmm. um, women entrepreneurs and that's why we're in 100 countries not because we have an empire in 100 different countries but because we work cooperatively with women's organizations who are already working on women's economic empowerment and they nominate suitable entrepreneurs in their area t- to come onto the mentoring platform and become and then have the benefit of what one of our women entrepreneurs called the invisible friend who mm-hmm. walks beside me on the mentoring journey and we provide training for our mentors uh, and we also um, obviously train the mentees and it's all done on a web platform. So it even means that women, uh, like uh, one of the women I know who was in Jordan um, was actually had a male mentor. And now in real life, she'd never be able to meet a male on her own. But But because it was done over the internet, he was able to help her set up and grow her okay. business. Okay, Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah, but it, 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 it's, it's really very, very important. The only problem we have, if you like, to, to stop us reaching everybody, is this terrible digital divide. Uh, according to the World Bank, only 35% of the population in developing countries have access to the internet, compared to 80% in advanced economies. Uh, mm-hmm. And women in particular, um, are almost 30 percent less likely than men to use mobile internet according to the gsma mm-hmm. having said that however we have proved that you can reach women and you can give them the tools and then they do the most incredible uh, things with those tools and that's mm-hmm. uh, uh you know i'd love to tell you a few success stories if you'd like
0: and um, I, I I'd love that I'm, I'm just conscious of your
1: time it, it'd be great to hear from your own voice um whether let know. me tell you about two women in particular that that we we you know during this pandemic we actually launched one of our uh, the program including her venture app in Kenya I did the launch I was going to go to Kenya of course, I didn't but I did it over the internet mm-hmm. and one of the women who used the app uh, she's called wangari and she owns an organic soap manufacturing business mm-hmm. and she said if it hadn't been for the app uh, she would not have been able to continue with her business because we mm-hmm. launched because of the pandemic a whole e-commerce mm-hmm. segment to the her venture app and she was able to learn from that set up an e-commerce platform for her business and it enabled her to stay relevant and visible online or just yesterday choma from lagos in nigeria got in touch with me and she was um involved in one of our earlier programs in 2018 mm-hmm. which was our um road to growth program and she is an amazing woman she had this great idea she she'd uh, studied in the uk and in the states and seen recycling and some of your people listening may know lagos is not the um cleanest of places mm-hmm. and she went back and she set up recycle points which is a recycling business which encourages people by giving them points to which they get gifts um, to recycle their waste and she came on our course to learn the business skills and having done that she's gone from strength to strength and the reason she rang me or rather emailed me yesterday was to tell me that she's literally just won uh, a prestigious environmental award from coca-cola for her business and in those Three years since she started she's created 230 green jobs and is now recycling 100,000 kilograms of waste monthly mm-hmm. so whether it's a small uh, business or a business that has the potential to grow and grow mm-hmm. by giving women the tools, business skills networks and mentoring and practical support um, we can really Change the world.
0: Yes, uh, I, uh, I actually quite love those two tangible benefits and success stories of your foundation so very much thank you for sharing that with us and I think there's probably another link we need to put in the episode description of the, the 100 women, the 100,000 women campaign so that my, my listeners can sort of go directly to that once they have a listen to this episode and um, as mentioned in the introduction you describe yourself as a feminist um, Dame Helen Mirren said, and I quote, I think every woman in our culture is a feminist. They may refuse to articulate it, but if you were to take any woman back 40 years and say, is this a world you want to live in? They would say, no. She went on to say, you know, this is exciting times for women. So how far are we from this utopia of gender equality? I think you mentioned it earlier in this conversation. I
1: did and I I, I mentioned particularly in relation to economic opportunity. Yes. Uh, Things are getting better in terms of health outcomes for men and women, in terms of education outcomes. But when you look where the real power rise in the world, political power and economic power, women are still not getting equal opportunities to men. And Mm -hmm. as I mentioned to you, uh, I've I've had grandchildren and I have two granddaughters and three grandsons. And when I think for my granddaughters that they will be great grandmothers themselves before if we carry on the way we've been going uh, their grandchildren will be getting equal chances to to, to their boy grandchildren mm-hmm. uh, that is not acceptable it's not acceptable to me and i know that we can ch- we can change that uh, never underestimate the uh, ability of a determined group particularly of Bolshy women <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> to change the world we can do it together but more more than anything else we can do it because every single one of the women that we help is herself an amazing business success whether it's because she's turning around a business that feeds her family or whether it's because she's actually turning around a business like choma that is going to you know transform the environment and provide economic opportunities for many many people it doesn't matter each one of them in their own way is changing the world so let's give them the tools and together we'll stop we won't be waiting 257 years mm-hmm. we'll get there much much quicker hopefully in my lifetime because i'm determined to see it through i think it'd be fantastic as well because i'm not
0: far from you um sherry so in my lifetime too <laughs> Um, let's end on things to look forward to Um, what new projects or initiatives are you working on at the moment that you'd like to
1: share with my listeners well we have um, I mentioned we've relaunched our mentoring platform which is at the end of the year and we are starting we've previously in the mentoring platform always had our mentors supported by companies Mm -hmm. so the companies have paid so that the mentors can have the experience to be trained to have the the mentoring training and also the experience of um, seeing how life is like in the countries, many of which they're engaged with in their businesses. Now we're actually allowing individuals, if they want to self-sponsor themselves, to become, to join the mentoring platform and mm-hmm. become mentors. And we're already seeing a number of people who are very keen to do that. So I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'm also excited about the fact that um, we've got some new uh, partners like Salesforce. I mentioned uh, our project in Kenya, which uh, we were doing thanks to DHL. We're hoping to expand into South Africa where we're already already working in the mentoring platform, but we're going to be doing more work there. And uh, we've got a fantastic programme in Vietnam, Indonesia and another programme in Mexico. So we are... um, You know, we are in a variety of places around the world. And, you know, the most important thing this year is to reach our target of an additional 40,000 women this year who with our services are going to be able to improve uh, and expand their business. And I'll just end with this last uh, idea that we had around 700 graduates of our mentoring programme last year. and between them in general, they created almost double that number of new jobs. Mm. So uh, you know this is this is about not just benefiting them, but creating opportunities, particularly opportunities for the young people in places like Africa who need to feel that there's a future for them. Right. And you know,
0: my listeners, anyone listening saying I want to get involved, what can they do?
1: Well, I I thank you so much for promoting it on your website. If you go to our website, Mm www.sheriblairfoundation.org, you will see the many ways. Of course, we'd love uh, for you to make a donation, but we'd also like you to consider whether you can give your time and and, and join us Mm -hmm. uh, with your energy and your efforts, either as a mentor or as someone who is promoting the cause of women's economic empowerment within your companies within your communities um, and helping us get the message out that women who can control their own money can control their own destiny. And when they do that, they make the right choices, not just for themselves, Mm -hmm. but for others as well.
0: Sherry Blair, CBE, many thanks for your
1: time and insights. Many thanks to you too, thank you.
0: Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, Pringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, decision makers, and heads of multinationals.
1: Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.